Passion and DJ podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ podcast. Of course, I'm your host, David Michael, and today we're going to be talking about small wins. In fact, I've got a list of 20 small wins for DJs. We'll be go going over that as our main topic today, but uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm by myself today, but uh, the guys are doing fine. They all say hello. In fact, I was hanging out over at Tony's house last night going over some ambassador stuff over there with Mo, and uh, Tony and I did some listening to some really good DJ sets, actually, on YouTube. Uh, we listened to uh, an entire Yoris Vorn set and just... Uh, Kind of hung out and listened and enjoyed the music and had a good time. But today, um, I've got a couple of news items real quick that I'm going to go over, and then we're going to dive right into these small wins. So the first news item I have is from Rain, and they released the version 1.2 firmware for their flagship mixer, which is the Rain 72. Now, what they did was they made a whole bunch of small tweaks and they implemented those based on the user feedback that they've gotten on the mixer since they launched it, which was pretty cool. So uh, some of the features that they included are a uh, pop-up sort of heads-up display, which shows the different pad modes. Uh, they gave you the ability to toggle on and off the some of the touch capacitive features. So like when you touch one of the knobs and it changes what happens on the display. I guess some people like the ability to disable that or maybe they thought it was too sensitive. They added the ability to do pinch to zoom waveforms on the on-screen display there on the mixer. They made some improvements to the effects and to the mic channels. And uh, really, they just did all kinds of stuff. The, the full list of changes they made is massive, and you can get that full list uh, by going to rain.com. The other thing that I wanted to mention was that Pioneer released the new controller, their DDJ400. And from the looks of it, the controller doesn't resemble a $250 toy either. Rather, it appears to be a tweaked version of Pioneer's $250 DDJ-RB. Pioneer designed the DDJ400 with the same layout and knob placement as its professional gear, like the DJM900 Nexus 2. Pioneer says that you can use the trim and EQ knobs and the headphone cue buttons in, quote, exactly the same way as you would on the Nexus 2, meaning that it should be an easy transition from the starter kit to better gear once your skills progress. If you're feeling social beyond just spinning at your friend's house party, you could upload mixes to Kuvo, Mixcloud, and YouTube, replete with timestamps. Now, maybe best of all, aside from the price, is its size. The DDJ400 weighs under 5 pounds, and, is, and its carrying handle should make it easy to schlep from one location to another. Pair it with a new MacBook Pro, and you've got an entire DJ setup that weighs well under 10 pounds. So they say that the DDJ400 is going to go on sale later this month. So you guys might want to check that one out. Now before we get into our main topic, I do just want to give you guys a quick reminder that we do have a Patreon page if you would like to support the Passionate DJ Podcast or you would like to get access to our monthly bonus show, which is called After Party. Um, you know, we set a goal to have uh, what we thought was a pretty small amount, uh, 30 patrons by the end of summer, and we're not quite halfway there yet. So 
But if you would like to support the show and help us reach that goal so that we can continue producing the bonus content, uh, you know, if you'd like to check out that bonus show and see what it's about, we actually released a free episode, which you can access by going to passionatedj.com forward slash free bonus. Uh, go get that Go give that a listen and let us know what you think. Let us know uh, if it needs some improvements or what you would like to see in that kind of bonus content that might make you want to sign up. Uh, we would love to know and keep on producing the show if that's what you guys want. So go check it out. Let us know. And we're going to go ahead and get on to our main topic. So basically the whole point here was to come up with small wins for DJs. And by small wins, I'm talking about things that aren't necessarily doing the DJ thing, but will be kind of somewhat low effort things that that we can do that could yield definite immediate results, right? So the first thing that I brought in was create some playlists. Now what I mean here is to literally just create playlists, whether that's within Tractor or Recordbox or something like that, or even just in Spotify or YouTube or wherever you like to just listen to music, you know, during your normal listening throughout your day, creating some playlists here while you're not actively DJing, but still kind of having your headspace, you know, in that place where it's like, which of these tracks relate to each other or which of them fall under the theme of this playlist. One thing that I do in Spotify, for example, is I, I try to come up with somewhat creative names for my playlist. So, you know, I've got a playlist that has this sort of like alternative R&B sound that's kind of popular right now. I guess the forefront of the sound would be someone like Post Malone, but uh, there's a lot of artists creating this sort of kind of dark sounding R&B, but it's got an underlying trap rap beat to it. And so I called that playlist Trapped Moods because it was kind of moody, but it was also kind of trappy. You know, so I try to come up with little concepts like that, and I just start dragging these tracks into playlists that, you know, fit that concept. And every now and then I'll find that I have enough in there to create a mix out of it or uh, just to use that as a grab bag for when I'm playing that sort of sound. It might influence the kind of stuff that I buy on Beatport the next time I'm there. So I find that to be a healthy way to sort of hunt for music when I'm not really actively hunting for music. Sometimes I'll let Spotify or whatever I'm listening to kind of do its discovery thing and it'll introduce me to new songs and the ones that I like I'll try to drag into one of these themed playlists and uh, save them for a rainy day. Number two, small win. Go check and prepare your DJ bag. You know, go and see what in there is extra so do you have like trash or you know old flyers and things in there that you could clean out and get them out of your way you know what is the state of all the extra cables and things that you have in there if you if you have a backpack or something like that that you bring to a gig uh you know how much of a disaster is it how hard do you have to work when you're setting up to find things and detangle cables and all that kind of stuff what's missing from your bag what would save your ass someday you know one thing that i did uh because it you know kind of got me a couple of times at a couple different shows uh is missing that headphones adapter that goes you know to a quarter inch size f 
for the mixer. Nowadays, a lot of mixers have both sizes of headphone jack, but uh, you know the one that I needed didn't, and so I eventually went and ordered like five of those things, and just left them in the blister packs and stuffed them in my DJ bag. And uh, I have reached into that grab bag a couple of times because I've forgotten or lost those things. Uh, so sometimes it helps to just think ahead a little bit. Speaking of thinking ahead, number three, I recommend building a rescue kit. And what I mean by rescue kit is kind of what I was saying. It's this idea of being super duper prepared for any situation that we might encounter as DJs. This is sort of your first aid kit situation where you know maybe you show up at the gig and the mixer that you're plugging into doesn't have the right kind of booth outputs that you thought you were going to jack something into or whatever the weird case may be you know we've all been in those situations where we didn't have the right kind of cable or adapter or something like that especially you mobile djs i know you guys and gals have run into this before because i certainly have on the few mobile gigs that i've done uh, because you're setting up powered speakers or you know uh, lighting and all this kind of stuff, there's a lot of things that can be forgotten and a lot of situations where you're going to want to change a you know a male plug to a female plug or something like that. So this is something that I did. I you know I went to Amazon and I just started saying what are all the situations that I would like to be able to easily bail myself out of. <laughs> so I got uh, you know XLR gender changers, you know, from male to female and female to male. I went quarter inch to XLR. I went XLR to quarter inch. Um, I went uh, quarter inch to RCA. I bought all these various adapters because I knew I had a lot of cables, but if I had some adapters, then you can get really far with just a few cables. And having the, you know, this is something that you don't want to have. Let me put it this way you don't want to have a permanent setup where you have a whole bunch of different kinds of cables and couplers and gender changers and extension cords all plugged into the same setup because every time you do that you are adding an opportunity to add noise to your signal every time you extend the length of a cable run or uh, adapt it or change it from one thing to another there's an opportunity to add noise there however it's worth having this rescue kit to bail yourself out of a situation where it's, you know, oh, I need this or I can't connect to this mixer. You know, in that kind of situation, it makes sense to have access to that stuff. Um, another thing that I recommend having, besides just little like extension cords, you know, for power or whatever, is uh, what I call a breakout strip. And this is just your regular run of the mill power strip. But I like having one that I keep in my bag, and I wrote, you know, with a big black marker, I wrote David Michael in all caps all over it so that it's very obvious that it's mine. And I bring that for any situation where I'm connecting any of my gear to a house setup. So if I'm, say, instead of playing on house CDJs, if I'm bringing my Tractor Control S8 and my laptop then I'm going to bring that stuff and I'm going to connect it to power but I'm going to plug that into my power strip and I'm only going to have one power cord that I'm responsible for that plugs into that house system so that uh, when it comes time for me to get out of the next DJ's way it's easy for me to just yank that one power cord 
kind of slide it back out of the way and then disconnect all of my stuff all at once without worrying about, you know, a lot of these shows that I've played, you end up with this kind of spaghetti under the table, right? Especially these shows where you have like five or six local DJs and they're all bringing controllers, right? So if you kind of keep all your stuff segmented away, it really helps, uh, you know, stay out of the next DJ's way and, uh, you know, just keeps you from having that sort of mess that you have to deal with while the crowd is staring at you. Number four, small win. Uh, This one's going to scare a few of you, but soft delete your collection. Now, what I mean by that is basically start over on your DJ crate, your collection of music that you reach into when you're mixing, start over on it. Now, when I say soft delete, that can mean any number of things. What I'm basically saying is start over and don't reach into that bag anymore. Uh, This is not something that I think you should do all the time, but this is a great way to kind of get a fresh start and reset your brain, you know, and you can kind of start over on your collection and get a fresh start and do it in a new way way that's you know well maintained and everything without having the anxiety of actually deleting this music that you've invested in right so one thing that I actually did within Tractor was I I didn't delete my collection but I removed it from Tractor and I created a new one a new collection file so that it was basically like starting starting anew starting fresh and then I dropped, you know, whatever my latest uh, Beatport cart was in there. And then I reached into the old collection and dragged a few things out of there that I knew I would still play. But I left myself with, you know, like 50 or 100 songs or something to start building this new collection. Whereas before I had thousands and thousands. Um, but I, I realized that I had stuff in there from, you know, eight or ten years ago that I didn't play anymore, didn't match my sound, wasn't relevant, and eventually it starts getting a little confusing as to how much of that stuff there really is in there. And then you end up with, you know, missing files and broken links and untagged files and and it just becomes a mess. And some of the other suggestions that we're going to have in today's episode are going to be a lot easier if you have a fresh start collection. So this is not going to be an option for everyone. These are just suggestions for things, you know, for the right DJ, this is going to be an easy small win where you can say, hey, I'm starting over, but it's not like throwing all my music away. Because if I find that I'm having trouble uh, having enough music to play or whatever, well, it's still there, you know, and so it hasn't really gone anywhere. We're just kind of out of sight, out of mind. This can be as easy as not touching your collection at all and just creating a new playlist. I've done this before too. I just called it crate and I just pretend that that playlist is my collection from now on. Um, And then a couple of times I've gone, Oh, what was that old track I used to play? And then I would pull it out of the real collection. So, but this is especially helpful if your current collection is just kind of unruly and hard to manage. (laughs) Number five suggestion Go key your tracks. Um, Once again, this is one of those things that's easier to do if you have 100 tracks rather than 2 terabytes. But, um, you know, look up the Camelot system if you're not already familiar. This is a way that you can easily key your tracks and so that you can mix harmonically. 
this gives you a lot of options to mix tracks that you otherwise wouldn't really be able to get away with because they would have overlapping melodies that would clash or something like that. Uh, I know a lot of you DJs out there do harmonic mixing. Uh, this is especially helpful for, say, trance DJs or um, house DJs that play a lot of the, uh, the big piano-style leads and stuff like that. If you have all these things that are key compatible, you can really mix them in unique and interesting ways and uh, helps you get away with interesting things. So uh, we recommend, at the Passionate DJ Podcast, we recommend Mixed in Key for doing this, especially if you have like an entire, <clears throat> like an entire collection that you want to analyze all at once. Uh, Mixed in Key is, uh, you know, they're the industry leaders in, in this sort of thing. Uh, in fact, we spoke to uh, Mixed in Key on episode 105. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from that episode here. I was just t- explaining it to uh, a musician friend of mine um, who's in town visiting, and I was trying to tell him what we were doing beforehand. And um, so I was trying to explain to him the, the, you know, the Camelot wheel. And I said, you know, we've got this software because, you know, him as a musician, he understands the Camelot wheel with all the keys yeah. all going around the wheel. But then when I told him, uh-huh. but, you know, the way we DJs use it, you know, it's numbered and lettered. So I said, you know, that way we yeah. know, you know, we can increase a number yeah, or we or can down. up or down, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. a letter. And he was all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you tell somebody who plays an instrument, it's basically the circle of fifths. The circle then of fifths, oh, exactly. Okay, yep, then, they, yep. then that's their, they have something to grab onto there. Exactly, exactly. Um, would you mind to explain to us how the, the Camelot system works in a nutshell for uh, for those who aren't really into music theory and all that kind of stuff, how that can benefit them? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. Like, first of all, like when I started DJing, I didn't know anything about music theory at all. And then when I started using Mixing Key, it helped me a lot. And it was easy to understand because instead of having things such as C major, F sharp minor, you know, things like that, it has like, a, it's numbered. So 1A through 12A, 1B through 12B. And you know, for example, if you're playing, and each number uh, represents like a key of the scale. So, you know, if you're playing like an 8A song, it, it looks like a clock too. So the, the wheel looks like a, it's like a clock. Okay. Right. So, you know, if you're playing like an 8A, the next song that you play, if you want to play harmonically, you can play an 8A, it will be on the same key, so it'll sound good. You can play an 9A, it will also sound good, or an 8B. So that's really like easy. It's all like related keys and you know you know like 8a 9a good 8a 8a is like the same key so it sounds good as well right. or 8b yeah, so or 7a actually so you can play 7a yeah, i was gonna say well. you could go in the opposite so, direction too yeah yeah you can go up or down or like sideways so it's really easy like to understand the concept you don't have like to know music theory like like an advanced mode to understand it and it, it, it's good to understand the, the theory behind it because it avoids like key clashes and all this stuff so it's always good to understand the music theory and a lot of djs uh when they start they don't understand like the the like the keys of their songs like the traditional notation 
but then after this, they start to understand. They started to look more into it. So yeah. it's it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't know about. I can speak for myself and maybe Tony, but when we started DJing back in the '90s, all we worried about was the BPM <laughs> and if yeah. it was going to get people on the dance floor. And when I got back into DJing about <laughs> six or seven years ago, I started seeing these Camelot wheels, and I didn't understand it. And once I saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then I could hear the difference. I was like, "Oh." Okay, I get it now. So, right. yeah, that even with no one, not, someone with no musical training in, in their background, you know, it was something easy to yes. latch on to. Okay, so that's going to bring us to number six. Go manage your cables. Uh, if you're in between gigs, you're not actively mixing right now, you know, what does your cable situation look like? Uh, I This is something that I've spent a lot of time on over time, you know, building cable management solutions that keep my setup nice and tidy but don't um limit me by like tying me down right because i've there have been situations where i've you know i've gone through with say zip ties and and twist ties and things like that and made everything look really nice and sharp and clean you know i have a background in networking and systems administration so i've had to do a lot of cable running in my life and i know how to keep that stuff tidy but it's different doing a permanent installation versus doing a dj setup because if you're like me at all I'm constantly moving that stuff around. I'll take my turntables and put them on this side of the mixer. Or I'll move my CDJ over here or I'm using my controller today. You're just moving that stuff around all the time and finding your ideal setup and trying new things. And, you know, I don't, I don't want a situation where I have to bust out scissors or uh, untwist a whole bunch of twist ties every time I want to just move something over three inches. So... There are ways to do this. You know, uh, basically just get on Amazon, do a search for cable management. You'll find all kinds of stuff. I use this stuff that's, uh, I don't know if it's got a name, but it's like this little black plastic tubing, but it's not actually, uh, it's not actually tubing. It kind of meshes together. So you can pry it apart, but when you let go, it kind of springs together and forms a tunnel. It's just this little black, I don't know, corrugated stuff. Uh, pl- plastic and that stuff has been really helpful for me for stuff that I like to change often because what you the only thing you ever see is this you know one thick cable looking thing but really it might be holding 20 or 30 different things in there uh, but it's easy to uh, rip one of those cables out of there if you you know got to take a CDJ off the desk or something like that a uh, little bit of cable management goes a long way so just kind of figure out what problem it is that you're trying to solve um you know what which cables are uh, unruly for you is it your power cables is it your audio cables you know you can find cheap products to fix those issues um one thing that i did i'll put a link to this in the show notes as well this will be an affiliate link uh, to amazon but uh, i use these things called uh, blue lounge and they're these little boxes that hold your power strips and they let you kind of bundle all the cables up and stuff in there so that all you ever see is a little plastic box. So there are a lot of ways that you can handle these situations and if you take a little bit of time to think about that and spend a couple bucks fixing those situations, uh, it'll save you a lot of headache in the long run and uh, hey, makes for great Instagram photos if nothing else, right? (laughs) So number seven. Learn how to over-under, speaking of cable. So what I mean by this, and if, you, if any of you have worked in stage management or have been in, uh, 
even been in bands or been, you know, worked with roadies or anything like that. Um, this is basically a method of cable wrapping that uh, it helps prevent it from tangling up. So it makes it easy to um, drop a coil of cable on the floor and then you can just pick up the end of that cable and you can, you know, do a run of cable wherever you need and it'll just kind of neatly uncoil. Um, so this is called the over-under technique and it's one of those things that's really too hard to describe on an audio talk show format. Uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, in the show notes for this episode, so passionatedj.com slash 149, uh, I'll embed a YouTube video that shows you how this works. But basically, instead of coiling the cable all up in one direction, just kind of spinning it around, you kind of twist your hand backwards and grab the bottom of the cable and twist it up and pull it to the top of the stack and you kind of do this weird twisting motion as you wrap the cable and once you've got that little motion figured out um, it basically prevents your cables from uh, turning into that nasty spaghetti uh, it keeps it a real nice clean little pile whenever you drop it on the floor especially if you have something like a hundred foot XLR or something you know something that uh, you wedding DJs might run into um, it's great to know this technique also, you can learn more about cables in general uh, by our friend Trip Turlington uh, by visiting the episode Know Thy Cables. We'll also drop that in the show notes. All right, small win number eight. Go take some time to clean and calibrate your gear. You know, uh, especially like you DVS users, how's your time code signal? You know, do your needles sound okay when you turn on Tractor Scratch or Serato, whatever you're using, does that uh, timecode calibration signal look correct? Um, we'll drop a link to turntable maintenance also in the show notes. Once again, Trip Turlington saving the day there, teaching us how to calibrate and maintain uh, a set of techniques. Um, for cleaning, um, general dusting, you know, I use those little Swiffer dusters. They're just those little kind of disposable feather duster things. Those are lifesavers for, uh, you know, sensitive electronic equipment. It's not going to hurt anything. They smell nice. It's easy to get, like, in those little stupid annoying spots in the mixer, like in between the little EQ knobs and between the faders. Uh, makes it easy to get the dust out of out of there. Uh, if you have any scratchy faders or, uh, you know, sticky contacts anywhere, I recommend this stuff called Deoxit D5. I actually used this stuff. It's like a little aerosol can, and it helps clean, you know, electrical contacts for, uh, that are maybe a little corroded or have buildup on them. I used this stuff to uh, rescue my old Control S4, which was just giving... Uh, weird random signal from the faders it would uh the the midi signal that it would get back you know it would be up 25 percent but it would show 75 percent on the screen and it would jump around it was just all crazy and so i sprayed this stuff in there and got it cleaned out really good and uh, it was fine so i'll link to that in the show notes as well in amazon uh, affiliate link um for general protection if you can afford it, I recommend Deck Savers, and they're not an affiliate. They're not a sponsor of the show, but uh, you know, Trip Turlington has uh, some of these Deck Savers on his gear, and uh, the the fitment on that stuff is really great, and it's just a great product. It's one of those things you pay for a good product because the fitment is perfect, 
and uh, it's it's hard to get something custom made for every single piece of DJ gear basically in existence um, that fits well and actually snaps on the way these do. So deck savers are great for protecting your gear, so just as a bonus tip there. Number nine, small win. Contact three people. Do some outreach, you know. Um, these could be any three people that could help you get closer to whatever goal you're trying to accomplish. So contact that promoter that you want to play for. Maybe call them up. Uh, how about a venue owner or a manager, you know, somewhere that you want to throw events? Uh, you could finally call that, uh, I don't know, that graphic designer friend that you have and, and have your, uh, your logo designed or that flyer done or whatever it is. Um, call that person that you've wanted to collab with or, or do uh, tag sets or something like that. You know, um, this is something that Tony DeSero talks about a lot on the show, uh, the value of an actual phone call or a face-to-face meeting rather than sending an email or a Facebook message or Snapchat or, or whatever. Uh, t- things tend to get done a lot more quickly and with better results when you actually have voices and even better face-to-face meetings about whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So contact three people. That is number nine, small win for DJs. Number 10 is to create an emergency mix or playlist. So this is for those moments when things go wrong. Um, You know, you're in front of a crowd, you're standing on, you know, standing up behind the booth, and, uh, you know, the CDJ doesn't power up or your headphones have gone missing, or your laptop crashes, or, you know, during the changeover between DJs, there's some kind of complication with the hardware. Um, so usually, in, in most setups, there's going to be some kind of master mixer, and it's going to have an auxiliary channel or just some available mixer channel that you could plug your phone into if you have to, um, or whatever it is, uh, you know, iPod, something, and have that mix or that playlist ready and available to fill any potential dead silence because even if you're not actively mixing tracks if you have a mix that's you know already kind of prepared that somewhat fits your your sound uh, that would be kind of generally appropriate to the types of gigs that you play you know try to make it kind of universal for your gigs so that it's a useful fallback in any situation that you encounter if you play vastly different gigs maybe you have a couple different versions of these um, but you know if you have one of those situations and it takes 10 or 20 minutes to resolve whatever the situation is even if you're not actively mixing uh, it's better to have you know some appropriate mi- uh, music playing uh, rather than just have 20 minutes of awkward silence so you know, a little bit of thinking ahead can go a long way and can save your ass uh, probably multiple times in the future if your luck is anything like mine. So number 11, learn a new feature. So take the time to learn a new feature of your hardware or software. You know, walk up to your gear and say, what's this button do? What's that feature that you've never really taken the time to go and explore? Uh, this could be anything from, you know, Tractor has remix decks. Maybe you've never explored that or stems. Uh, you know, hey, what does that freeze button do? What's slip mode? Uh, Serato's pitch in time. You know, while there's no pressure of a gig, 
and you know nothing important's happening this would be a great time to explore that uh you know we tend to we tend to kind of get set in our ways over time as DJs. We get used to a certain workflow and a way of mixing and things. And, you know, if you actually create the time to explore these features that you may have never have otherwise taken the time to do, you know, you might be surprised. You might find something that you like. So number 11 is learn a new feature. Number 12, schedule a creativity block. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what I'm saying is actually block out some time to explore creative ideas. So you're not just mixing tracks necessarily or doing a set or recording a mix, but you're you're trying out new sounds, you're playing new genres. Maybe you, uh, you, you're mixing a, a way different tempo than you're used to. You know, maybe you, you play 120 BPM, you know, kind of slow house. Uh, maybe you, you decide to try mixing some 140 BPM hard house or some drum and bass or something if you're if you're getting really saucy. Um, maybe try to scratch or try some new effects. You know, this is this is a time to throw yourself under the bus and change things up. You know, get crazy with looping or um, you know, one thing that I like to do is take a, a, a track and see how long I can make one song interesting by using loops and effects and different things. Uh, you know, can I can I use this, play this track for 20 minutes and, and have it still not be boring? <laughs> um, so yeah, don't play a set, just try stuff. Set out a, a, you know, a creativity block to just try new things. Uh, producers, you know, this would be a great time for you to make samples or, you know, if you're into sound design, build synth patches or make loops, you know. That basically what I'm talking about is setting aside time to do creative things that you can do without necessarily being inspired. You know, I, I know I tend to, to wait to record a mix or to produce a track until I feel inspired to make it. So if you schedule a time to do creative things that don't require inspiration, like making a loop or trying to learn a scratch technique or something like that, then you can fill that time in between inspiration with creative energy so you can you can still be creative even when you're not inspired to do a particular project so uh, that's why i recommend scheduling a creativity block number 13 set cues and loops this is pretty self-explanatory but you know if if you're one of those djs where you find yourself encountering all these tracks with uh awkward intros or, or something like that you know you can put your cue points in and skip those awkward intros get right to where your downbeat is and be ready to go um you know once again this is something that's going to be easier to do when you if you start over on your collection or you just you know start doing it from here on out rather than you know try to go back and do this to thousands of songs though there is software that will help you do that in fact i think mixed in key will help you set cue points uh, if you analyze the tracks with that as well. So you get a little bit more uh, value for your dollar there. Um, one thing that I like to do is find uh, clean loops, you know, right before certain events in a track. So like, say there's a big breakdown. This is something I do for fashion shows. Uh, I'll put 
loops in right before a breakdown or right before something significant in the track happens. And then when, you know, there's an announcer on the microphone and they're saying, now presenting this line from so-and-so clothing, then I have the loop going during that while they're doing the talking part. And then when the first model, you know, when that stiletto hits the ground, I let off that loop and then it goes into whatever significant part of the, the track or it goes into the downbeat or something like that. So if you are the kind of DJ that does any of those, you know, kind of, you know, event-based uh, DJing things where you have uh, you have to do things prompted by time, it's helpful to have some of this stuff uh, prepared ahead of time. Number 14, schedule social media posts. So if you have a Facebook fan page, for example, or an Instagram account, you know, pick a day. I do this on Monday and schedule a week's worth of posts. So, you know, try to find the things that are relevant to you or actually more importantly, relevant to your audience and vary up the type of posts. So uh, this is a time to experiment and see what kind of gets engagement with your followers. So, for example, for Passionate DJ, you know, DJ news, industry stuff, hardware stuff, but also, you know, those things get a lot of likes and shares. But then things that spawn off conversations will be things that really more speak to the passion and purpose type topics and the inspirational topics and the, you know, the stuff that people like to have deeper conversations about. Those are the ones that get comments. You know, Facebook algorithm takes all this stuff, calls it engagement, and then shows it to more people. So... You know, if you're the kind of DJ who has a fan page, but then you post on it, you know, three times a year, anytime you put out a new mix or, you know, you only post on there when you have a new gig, then you're not really giving your followers anything to engage with in in between those posts. And so your your engagement falls off, your reach falls off, and now suddenly you're kind of like talking into an open room with nobody in it. So... Try to find things that are interesting, relevant, and actually go and engage with the people who comment on it and try to spawn interesting conversations and use some of it as time to promote yourself too, but not all of it. You know, don't don't schedule, you know, two posts a day to go to, you know, download my mix and it links to the same mix over and over again. You know, like maybe make it self-promotion, you know, 20 to 40% of the time and make the rest of it just interesting topics uh, pictures and stuff like that are good too, but uh, you know, sprinkle the self promo in. Don't make it all personal spam. Number fifteen, small win for DJs. Hand invite people to your page. So, when was the last time that you actually went to directly invite people to like your page? You know, where, through the uh, the Facebook interface. You know, friends, family, and so on. If it's been a while, this can be a significant small win because. You know, if you haven't actually hand invited people to your page in two years, you know, you can spend 10 minutes doing this and get 20 likes right off the bat. Now, I know likes are not everything, but we're talking about small wins, and 20 likes is a small win in today's social media world. That can get you a little more engagement, a little bit more reach, uh, maybe put that mix in front of the, that right person that needed to hear it. So, yeah, spend 10 or 20 minutes and actually go through and do 
targeted invites. So I, I'm not recommending that you go and just massively spam or, or you know, like some people used to run these scripts that would just mass invite people to your page, like all 5,000 of your Facebook friends or whatever. Like that's not what I'm recommending. Um, you want to do targeted stuff, but if it's been a while since you've done this and you have a lot of, you know, friends on your personal uh, Facebook profile or whatever, you can usually find a good amount of uh, new people who are willing to jump on there and get those stats up and give you a little boost. Number 16, check your gain structure. So are you doing it right? <laughs> There's a lot of places to check your levels in a lot of setups. So uh, let me just describe my personal setup and how many gain checks there are, how many places to set volume. So in the case of me using my Control S8, for example, when I'm using that, I've got a master output from that, so I've got to set the gain there. I'm using Tractor, which has built-in gain settings per channel, plus it has gain setting for its internal master output, plus a limiter. And from there, it goes into my main mixer, my DJM850, and that has its own input gain, and then that mixer has a master output, and then that master output is going to powered speakers, which have their own independent input gains. And then if I'm recording, I've got to record out, and that's going into something that's going to have its own input gain. So there are a lot of places to check levels. You can miss this, right? Like, there, oh, I set my levels fine. I'm out of the red. Well, are you out of the red on every step in the chain? You know, have you considered this? So obviously the the first step that we always give in this is stay out of the red that's the easiest tip you know if you've got something and it's and it's showing a red light on a VU meter it's probably too hot so turn it down um, but if you're not sure how to set the gains properly on your particular gear or software start checking manuals because a lot of these pieces of gear have different headroom settings they meter differently uh, they cater to DJs who like to really crank the gains up and show those red lights so you can't always tell so you're not going to lose anything by staying out of the red which is why we you know that's what our first tip is because you're not going to hurt anything but beyond that check your manuals you know usually if, if you buy a new mixer it's going to tell you what your headroom should be and where you should be setting your meters and all that kind of stuff um, same thing goes with software you know all this stuff should be well documented so just figure out where everything needs to be set and uh, you know learning this stuff now can uh, save you some sound quality issues in the future small win number 17 create backups and redundancy please 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 you remember I'm a former systems administrator so I have to bash this into people's head it's my lot in life but um, try to have a if you're a, a laptop DJ try to always have a full backup of your machine Mac users uh, time machine is an easy great way to do this can bail you out of a bad situation um, I also recommend having a file level backup or you maybe you'll call it a collection level backup and this is where you just have your actual files that you know that you want to keep say you know the folder that you keep all your DJ music in uh, Make sure you just have that somewhere on, on a couple of thumb drives or on an external hard drive or on the cloud or whatever it is. 
make sure you have that somewhere. Uh, because if you're in a situation where your hard drive crashes, even if you bought everything on Beatport, you know, trying to go through and recover old tracks that you bought a long time ago from Beatport is not easy. They don't make it easy on you. So uh, you don't want to ever be in that situation where you just lose a massive amount of data. Um, in the vein of redundancy, you know, we're talking about uh, if you play record box, say you play on CDJs, having backups over USB keys, you know, have three or four of those things with the same collection on it. You know, what if you show up at a gig and the uh, pro DJ link, the, the Ethernet cable that connects them together isn't there or isn't working? Uh, then you're not going to be able to share that USB drive across the players. Now, you can get as pissed as you want at that promoter or that tech for setting that up, but that doesn't help you in the moment. And you could fix that problem by just having a second USB key, right? So it's nice to have that stuff, even though it does add an extra step. You know, you have to export your collection to two different things. Uh, you know, if you make your living as a touring DJ or something like that, if you're one of the chosen few that gets to do that these days, then it might even be worth it for you to have like a secondary controller or, you know, a backup setup. A lot of touring DJs have, ba they have entire backup laptops. They just clone their entire laptop and bring it with them, you know, uh, for certain DJs who make their living that way, it's imperative to have that level of security. So I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole now, but uh, I do want to go ahead and play a clip from episode 97 where we talked about this specifically, and the episode was called Disaster Preparedness. Because not everybody is as comfortable with just moving data around right. and blowing things away as we are. Right. Um, you know, I, I suggest trying to have a full system image so that you can restore it at the click of a button no matter what right but also to have a just a backup of your most important files that you know how to manage whether that's i'm clicking and dragging this to another hard drive or i'm uploading this to dropbox or whatever it is so in, in my case even though i have a, a time machine backup of my entire drive and i can go back in time at any point i keep for instance episodes of the passionate dj podcast and footage that i've edited and show notes and all that stuff on Google Drive as well. Right. So that allows me, A, to share it with you <laughs> so that you can do whatever you need to do with it, but right. also provides a secondary backup for all that stuff so that if my house burns down, we don't have to shut down the Passionate DJ podcast. Right, right, know. right. I kind of dove into um, the, you know, what my setup was. Just because, you know, I've, I've had some issues before and, you know, so this is what works for me and I'm excited to, you know, share all of that. But I think the takeaway from all of that is, you know, even if it's as simple as just, you know, get on Amazon.com and pick up a uh, an external hard drive that is big enough to carry all of your data. And if that means that you have to just once a month or once a week, you know, just take the time to manually do it mm -hmm. but copy and paste you know whatever data you've got onto that drive that way no matter what you've always got some some backup of your most important stuff yeah and keep it separate from you know keep it off-site keep it in a safe deposit box keep it in your car keep it somewhere safe-ish you yeah. know like hide, hide your kids hide your wife <laughs> right because we backing up everything up in here <laughs> but, uh... all right small win number 18 take some time to learn your shortcuts 
So especially you software DJs, if you use Traktor or Serato or Virtual DJ or Algorithms DJ or anything like that, uh, you know, is there some function that you want access to, but there's like there's no button for it on your controller, uh, something like that? You know, in all DJ software, or uh, let me put it this way, in nearly every function on almost all DJ software <laughs> is going to be mapped to some hotkey. So, uh, you know, it might be helpful to memorize the most important ones. You know, pitch bend comes to mind uh, because if you're playing a set and, uh, you know, you lose control of your pitch controls or whatever, suddenly you can't beat match or anything. Or, you know, if you're using CDJs in uh, HID mode to control tractor and one of them goes out, having a pitch bend hotkey on your keyboard is pretty helpful because then at least you can... Ah, you can <laughs> realign the track if it gets a little wonky. You know, maybe something weird happens, like if you're using a USB hub, maybe that USB hub dies and you can't access your modular controller anymore. You know, some situation like that. You know, for some DJs, it might be helpful to know what these hotkeys are, uh, especially if there's something that you just want access to and uh, don't have a button for it. Number 19. Add some calls to action to your social media profiles. So go through your social media profiles, your Facebook, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. Check your bios and your profiles and figure out where you can put a link. And then determine like the one most important thing that you would want somebody to land on right now. So if you have a new mix or a promo video or, uh, you know, the latest episode of your own show or podcast, you know, any of that kind of, whatever it is that's your most important thing that you would want somebody to land on, go through and make sure you're actually putting a place for people to click on that and land on it. Uh, this is a small win that you can do. You know, it'll only take, you know, five minutes or less per platform. So if you've got a, you know, a Facebook profile and Instagram and a Twitter, you can crank this out in no time put a couple of links in and uh, you know one thing that you can do is using uh, bit.ly bit.ly you can create a nice really short link that's one of those like bit.ly slash and then a couple letters and numbers so you have a really nice short hyperlink for people to click on instead of something long and crazy that you're trying to cram into all these profiles and then that gives you the ability to sort of track it you can create different short links and then you can tell from which platform those clicks came in and you can see uh, you know which ones are working for you which ones are getting people the traffic to click over um, if you have a WordPress blog or something like that you can use pretty link to do the same thing to create these custom things like uh, passionatedj.com forward slash free bonus I set those up using a plugin called pretty link so add add social media calls to action and then that brings us to our final tip, our final small win, which is to create a measurable goal. Now, I, I put this as a small win because sometimes the hardest part of a project is actually deciding to do it. And if you create a measurable goal, or if you create, if you've ever heard of SMART goals, you create a goal which you can actually measure and define and determine when it's completed. Sometimes just setting that goal that's that defined is the biggest and hardest step. And once you get there, everything else 
can start kind of falling into place. So SMART is an anagram and the S stands for specific. So this is like specifically what do I want to accomplish? Why is this goal important? The M is for measurable, so this would address questions like how much or how many or how well will I know when it's accomplished, right? Um, achievable is the A. You know, how can I accomplish this goal? How realistic is it? Based on other constraints, whether that's financial factors or, uh, you know, if, you're, if your goal is I want to become the most famous DJ in the whole world ever, Okay, is that actually an achievable goal as compared to um, I want to have uh, a new residency by this time next year? So is it achievable? That's the A in SMART. The R is for relevant. So a relevant goal would be, you know, is this a goal that seems worthwhile? Is this the right time to do it? You know, is it applicable? And then the T is time bound. So this is how you actually set a deadline so that you know that it was accomplished so basically a time-bound goal will answer you know what can I do six months from now or what can I do six weeks from now what can I do today a time-bound goal that expires at some point that's not uh, waffly and just floaty in in the air and you don't know if you've ever actually accomplished it or not so those are smart goals. If you take the time to do that, it will be a small win. I really think it will be a big win uh, depending on what your goals are because, like I said, the hardest part really is just taking the time to actually decide to do something, whether it's a new mix or a new mix series or a podcast or uh, pursuing that gig that you've wanted or talking to that venue. Set a goal, make sure you can measure it, and then get to work. <laughs> And then I'm going to end with a bonus tip, and that is to just play. You know, we recently did the Community Struggles episode where we took listener submissions, and one of the repeat struggles that we saw was the fact that as DJs, we have so many other things to do besides DJ. You know, I remember those early times when I nailed my first few transitions, and I felt the elation that comes along with getting it right. I remember being super excited about the fact that I could relate to people on a personal level by sharing a moment with them through music. I remember a time before I cared about Instagram filters and hashtags and promoting podcasts and writing personal artist bios where I just enjoyed the music, where I was put in charge of taking the music somewhere or maybe letting it take me somewhere. When I didn't care about followers or flyers or cover charges or homeowner's insurance, I was letting myself get lost in that relentless 4-4 beat, closing my eyes and communicating through, for, and with the music. I hope to never lose that quality, and I hope you never do either. Keep on spinning. This has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. <laughs>